1: Hey everybody, it's Dan and this is our Sunday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. The Browns held the Orange and Brown practice at First Energy Stadium today. And me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams, we all got together and discussed what we saw. So we talked some tight ends, we talked a little bit about Baker Mayfield, and we just kind of get into what we saw at practice. Now, become a Football Insider subscriber because if you aren't already, you're missing out on stuff you're missing out on a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. I'm actually writing Monday's newsletter uh, you're gonna missing out on texts, during training camp practice, after analysis, all of that stuff, and you're missing out on those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. So go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the info and get signed up. All right, here we go. Our Sunday podcast. And here we go. Okay, lobby, Scott Petzel, Alice Wayne, okay, Cabot. We are just finishing up the morning yeah practice. We talked about Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski, Sione, Taki Taki. We're going to start today, though, guys, talking tight ends, because they were the story today, I thought. Uh, Austin Hooper struggled. David Njoku looked really good. Harrison Bryant made a big catch. The tight end position is very fascinating because of its importance, I think, to this team and, and kind of how Kevin Stefanski loves to use tight ends. So, you know, kind of out there for everyone to see. There were probably 20, 30,000 people here at the stadium watching. Uh, just your guys' thoughts on tight end, Scott?
0: Yeah, I think that was one of the questions we had going into this off season. who truly is the number one guy? And you know, I, not everybody goes by PFF grading, but David Ajoku uh, came out a little bit ahead in, in a lot of categories, including uh, he was did pretty decent as a blocker as well last season. Uh, I know Hooper got the big contract, but uh, at the end of the day, this team probably looks at production, and you know, they got I think they have some decisions to make on what combinations are going to, and they're all three of you going to play, but what combinations are you going to use the most? Um, not saying Austin Hooper isn't good. I'm just saying what combination gives them the best uh, chance for success. And yeah, that might be still evolving. We saw Harrison Bryant and David Jokin make big catches uh, today. Austin Hooper did not have a great day. Um, so, yeah, it's still kind of in flux, I
2: think. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if any combination uh, by the time we get to week one. Mary Kay's been saying this since May and I am officially all in on the Browns <laughs> using more 11 personnel. And the reason being is because this team looks the most explosive and probably is the most explosive with David Njoku at tight end and then pick your receivers, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones. That is how this team probably moves the ball the best when it's at its need to score moments, you know, two minute uh, down in the in the scoreboard and meeting something in the fourth quarter. I'm just envisioning that group on the field rather than this marriage between Hooper and Njoku. And we're still going to see plenty of two tight end stuff. Don't get me wrong. <clears throat> He'll open drives like that play action. He, he, he just, the stuff you can scheme up to open up these tight ends is almost too easy in this league especially early on but back against the wall I think Mary Kay has been all over this and, and for good reason the most explosive version of this Browns offense is probably going to be three receivers in David and David Njoku.
3: Heading into this season the Browns had a, slated a bigger role for Austin Hooper and even Kevin Stefanski told us recently uh, that they wanted to have uh, you know, him get the ball more than he did last year. They felt they underutilized him and they really want this to be a thing. They've, they're paying him $10.5 million a year. But in order for that to happen, he has to have a more natural chemistry with Baker Mayfield, uh, both in, in those clutch moments in the red zone and, and otherwise. And for whatever reason, you know, it took a little while last year for them to kind of get it together. And, you know, we are all just, uh, you know, we have all just watched this orange and brown scrimmage and he really struggled today. I mean, Austin, I don't know what was going on with him today. Let's just chalk this up to a bad day. But Mm. in addition to today, I just think in general, those two guys need to continue to work on that chemistry together. I see them doing it after, you know, on the sidelines at practice, you know, they, they are working at it, but for whatever reason, and I think it could be because sometimes when you play, The whole first four or five years of your career with one quarterback takes a while to get used to another guy. And it just seems like he has a more natural chemistry right now with Dave Njoku. I think Hooper can fix it, but it's a work in progress.
1: So let me ask you guys this. Um, I I don't know if we call this counterpoint or not, but are we overreacting a little bit to this one practice or kind of what we've seen in camp? Because. I mean, we know Austin Hooper can produce. I know it wasn't always perfect last year. I know there were issues, but we know Austin Hooper can produce in the NFL. I don't know if we could say that about the other guys. David Njoku's had flashes, but the reality is we're going into year five and we still haven't seen all of what David Njoku should be. Harrison Bryan had a good half year last year and then kind of faded a little bit in the second half of the season. At least you know, he wasn't real prolific as as a pass catcher. So are we overreacting to one practice, or that we're the start of camp, or is it is it fair to kind of ask this question right now?
0: I don't think we're overreacting. I think it's worth talking about. I don't, I don't get the sense that we're overreacting. I, I, no, no, not, I don't either. The sky I just, is not falling on Austin Hooper. Let's just say that. Uh, one thing I think everybody needs to remember is that yeah, Austin Hooper wasn't what he was last year. What he was in Atlanta, you know, he wasn't producing like that. But then nobody on this team is going to produce outside of maybe Nick Chubb is going to produce in a way that they had previously in their career or be among the league leaders in some fashion, you know, and I'm talking about the skill position players, this offense is set up to, to use a lot of different people. And so, you know, Odell, if he plays the whole season, he's not going to be among the league leaders in receptions and, you know, Austin Hooper is not going to be a you know, joke whoever is not going to be among the league leaders and catchers for, for tight ends. Um, you know, Nick Chubb is not going to, well, he might be top five, top 10 in carries if He plays an entire season, but it's just, there isn't going to be that one guy that you see on a lot of other teams kind of just blowing up and and getting tons of yards and catches and opportunities like that. And and that's okay. That's, that's what this offense is. And it works that way.
2: Yeah. I think it's about tempering your expectations for Austin Hooper, exactly like Scott said, I'm learning a lot about Austin as you watch him up close and I remember reading about him watching tape on his Atlanta days and noticing he was a zone beater, just could crush the NFC South zone defenses as they were trying to defend, you know, like the Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Matt Ryan's a, an ace like that, much like Baker Mayfield. But my point is this Browns team might be getting a lot more man-to-man defense as they go forward. And the rep that comes to mind, aside from – Hooper's drops today they were the Browns were running red zone one-on-one routes and uh it was Hooper versus Moffitt I believe and I just saw nothing impressive impressive from Austin he tried to win on an out route he got you know tangled up and didn't really break free soon enough And the ball it was just there was no chance of a completion that's not his strength it's not beating man coverage that's where David Njoko comes in it's why he had a large reason why he had such an explosive uh, game in Kansas City, are just looking explosive because he can—he is that athlete to win in that type of coverage. So Austin is going to be able to pick his spots and be used when he's needed. I guess I'll wrap it up by saying, Browns fans avoid Austin Hooper in fantasy football. I think you're going to be frustrated. Except Kevin's fans is going to know how to use Austin, but he's not. He the expectations just need to be lower.
3: One one more thing I wanted to note too about this situation. Uh, in a tweet that I put out during the scrimmage, I made the point that I do think that Dave Njoku right at the moment is a more dangerous weapon uh, than than Austin Hooper is and that I have said this before and I, a lot of people think I'm crazy, including Dan, I know you think I'm crazy, um, <laughs> that I think he's he's an eight tight end, he's an eight touchdown tight end if given the opportunities. But Scott makes the point, he's not gonna get that many opportunities probably. He's probably not gonna get near enough opportunities to catch eight touchdowns but I feel like he's that type of guy that can and I think he's hanging on to the better the ball better now and I think if he were in an offense you know here or somewhere where he was thrown to it enough in the red zone uh, that he could he was more than capable of that but I don't think it's going to probably happen here in this offense with all these weapons.
1: I I do think the has had a good camp. I think he's he's mm-hmm. played well. I mean, he had a drop the other day, and I was like, I was shocked to see it. That's kind of how good of a camp he's having. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, wait a minute, who who dropped that? 85. He hasn't dropped anything. So he's had a really good camp. And let's not forget, he wants to get paid, and this is a contract year. And you, you know, you should never sleep on a guy with that type of talent and that type mm-hmm. of raw ability when, when he's going into a contract year, and he believes that he's worth that that top level, that top dollar uh, that tight ends get.
2: Yeah, and someone's gonna pay this guy, whether he stays here in Cleveland somehow or it's elsewhere. David Njoku has really come together as a football player. Thinking back to when when I started here at Cleveland.com, you know, week two of the Jets game, he was in a completely different spot. And you know, all that talk about you know David can't catch a thing, it doesn't even matter how open he is. And now Dan we're saying it's a it's a shocker when he it does drop something. That's how much he's developed. Best blocking tight end on the team, most explosive. He's really found himself as a professional football player and has a real opportunity in front of him.
1: Hey, it's Dan, and before we get back to the podcast, let me tell you about our virtual Orange and or Brown season kickoff event taking place on Wednesday, September 1st, from 6.30 to 8 o'clock p.m. You can join Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsco, Ellis Williams, Doug Maurice, Terry Pluto, and me. We'll have in-depth discussions on the team, analysis, a live auction, and even some surprise cameos. Tickets for the event are free and they can be reserved through the link in the bio of this podcast or the description of this podcast, I should say. There's also a VIP experience. Enter for a chance to win tickets to a special smaller group VIP experience with Browns alumni and Cleveland.com sports writers. There's only 150 tickets available for this special experience. So to enter the ticket sweepstakes, again, go to that link in the description of this podcast to enter. That's our Orange and Brown virtual season kickoff event on Wednesday, September 1st, from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Okay, let's talk about some other stuff we saw. Uh, the other area where the Browns struggled today was in two minutes, and this kind of leads into Austin Hooper a little bit. He One of his drops came uh, when Baker Mayfield and the first team offense were running two minutes, so they did 55 seconds on the clock, a timeout from their own 36, and they actually got to the 46 on the other side, but then the drive sort of stalled, and they were unable to do anything Baker was a little bit off today, I thought, especially in those two-minute situations. He undergrew Jarvis on, on a deep ball in that two-minute drive. It looked like that could have been six, could have just lit this place up. Uh, it didn't happen. He, he just seemed a little bit off, Mary Kay.
3: He was off today, and it was surprising. I was very surprised that in, uh, in the Orange Brown scrimmage with all the fans that were there, I really thought he was going to, I think we all thought uh, that he was going to have a really nice day and and kind of show off a little bit and and everybody was going to have a lot, a lot to cheer about, but those two minute drills that you're talking about, he was going against the second team defense as well, at least the second one. Um, He was going against the second team defense, whereas case Keenum, who had more success was going against uh, the first team defense, especially particularly on the second one. So, um, so yeah, I thought what one thing that I'm noticing in Baker Mayfield, at least today was that he was sailing the long ball again. And it, it seems to me, that his something might just be slightly off mechanically in that regard. I'm not sure if it's a mechanical issue. I'm not sure if, you know, sometimes he gets a little bit too hyped up and, and overthrows it. Uh, but it just seemed to me that, that he was a little bit off the mark today that way. And I, I definitely think that he will also come back and correct that.
0: Yeah, I mean, was that like maybe the second time they've done two minutes yeah. in, in training camp, if, if that. you know? And I know we, we make a lot out of the fact that they have pretty much everybody back, but nobody knows this offense better than the Browns defense. They've been seeing it all summer, not just in training camp. And I don't know. I think you want them to do better, but even though it is a second team, these guys are really familiar with one another, I think. And yeah, I don't, I, I'm not putting too much into that. And it's the fact that they really haven't done two minute very much at all. And, and again, You you don't have everybody you want out there. The unnamed uh, number 13 (laughs) receiver for one. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great day, but there, there were some, I mean, there were some good
2: catches, some good throws. It just wasn't consistent enough to move down the field. Yeah. I'm confident Baker will be fine once week one hits and you get the game atmosphere and you get Stefanski scheming stuff up and you just get that natural fire and energy. We all know that's when he plays his best. But this still is something, and I would compare it to a three-point shooter just missing open shots in practice or in a scrimmage, you know, which buckets you expect for them to go down. Like, they aren't. He's sailing some passes. He's he's missing easy throws. So it's like, eh, you'd like to see him complete those, but when the lights are on, Bright Baker will bring it. But, again, it's, just, it's getting tough to explain at times. And, you know,
3: some of them were to guys that he's – like you guys mentioned to, to Jarvis and, and people like that. So, you know, you can chalk it up to, you know, it, it, was, it just wasn't a fabulous day for Baker today. And it was not a fabulous day for, for Austin Hooper. They'll probably come back out tomorrow and the next day and the next day and look amazing. And sometimes you need a day like that uh, to get mad at yourself and, uh, and decide that you're going to do something differently or look into something. So these days when, when they're just a little off, like that can be a blessing in disguise because generally you fix something, you go back to the drawing board and you work out a little kink here or there and you get it right the next time. And I'm sure they both will.
1: I, I think part of it too, is we're so used to like with this football team, like, the orange or brown scrimmage, or orange or brown practice is like the biggest deal ever, like every training camp, right, because there's a quarterback competition or there's a new head coach or whatever it is. It's like the most momentous moment of the offseason. And it's just watching this team practice and watching this team go through camp and watching them today it's all kind of boring. And I feel like a part of me wants to step back and think, man, is this what it's like to cover a real NFL team? Like camp is just that it's camp. You're getting ready to play your season. You're not figuring out who your quarterback is or anything like that. You're, you are fine tuning and you are fixing things and you're getting ready to play a 17 game season. There's not a whole bunch of other stuff you're worried about. And I think some of that is changing the mindset a little bit. Like you got your quarterback, you got your coach, you got your systems, like." work them for a month, and then get out there and see what happens on Sundays.
2: Yeah, to talk about how different this all is, I'd say the most exciting Brown on this roster right now is Case Keenum. When he's in, (laughs) he just lets that thing fly because there isn't a quarterback competition. He's just really having fun out there and giving guys like Rashard Higgins and Harrison Bryant opportunities to make plays in the back of the end zone, which they did, and that that shows up on tape. Yeah, at least last (laughs) year,
0: you know, we had Jedrick Wills to zero in on, you know? But this year, it's like, I mean, you pay attention to Greg Newsom sometimes, but that battle has just kind of been a dud so far. And, you know, Tommy Togia, I think he's running third team defensive tackle. Does anybody care? Probably not. He could
1: have a batted pass today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's just, you know, yeah, there's not, you're not uh, the storyline of, you know, this rookie has to come in and perform well, you know, Jeremiah Wilson, he was on the field today, but I mean, he certainly was not the focal point uh, at any point in practice. So it's, yeah, it is a different piece altogether.
3: You know, you mentioned, you guys mentioned Case Keenum and some of the nice plays that he made today. Again, uh, some of those were against the first team defense. I think what that says is uh, that in the event, Baker is so durable. I mean, he is so incredibly durable. He, he is just built sturdy and strong. And it amazes me that he has been so healthy his entire career. Uh, but in the event, you know, that he loses a shoe or something and has to sit out two plays. The Browns are in good hands with case Keenum and not every single football team can feel confident that if something happens to their starting quarterback, that they're going to be okay. But the Browns would be okay. Even if he had to miss a game or two games, case Keenum, the ball's coming out really well. And he just knows this offense even way better than he did when, uh, when he was going 11 and three in Minnesota with Kansas city. I mean, in Minnesota with Kevin Stefanski, but the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that that he is just a really good, solid, solid backup. And if if something should happen to Baker, you know, the, the show can still go on.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And, and Mary Kay said it, you know, that that 11-3 season with the Vikings. Of course, Kevin Stefanski and I had very different vantage points from that <laughs> of that season. But I remember it like it was yesterday. The Vikings went to the NFC Championship. With Case Keenum, had they won that game, they would have played the Super Bowl in their home stadium, but Bucks ended up being the first team to do that. I'll get off my Viking uh, soapbox here to end the point by saying, yes, Case has done this before, and you can tell he just has a a grasp on this offense and just a confidence level to just go out there and play quarterback. And I I doubt anything happens to Baker. Like Mary Case said, he's just built to play this position and take those hits. Uh, But Case should give Browns fans a lot of comfort if anything were to happen.
1: Okay, real quick, let's throw out uh, one player, one thing that stood out to you today. I mean, we got to talk about Donovan Peoples Jones, right? It's uh, the Orange Brown Talk podcast after training camp practice. So we have to talk about Donovan Peoples Jones. He bounced back today. Mm -hmm. I I think that was good because he had a tough day on Saturday, but he was back today, kind of doing what we've seen all camp.
2: I'll I'll go with Greg Newsom. I know we've been talking about how much of a dud this quarterback two battle is, and it's so much of a dud that the only reason I'm mentioning him is I really liked his uh, fade ball techniques today. I was watching him defend outside vertical routes and I noticed how strong he is. He's just a very sturdy corner. doesn't get pushed off his mark. If anything, he pushes receivers toward the sideline, which is what you're taught, you know, lower that, that, bit, that area where they can catch the football. He's got a, a lower body, like a, like a mini Saquon Barkley. I don't want to go crazy here. Like, of course, he doesn't have running back type legs, but he's far from a stick out there playing DB. He's built, he's stocky. He's got the upper body strength to go with it. And I was impressed with his technique and I just have a really good feeling about this young kid.
0: And my guy is actually Sheldon Day, the Sheldon who could replace the other Sheldon (laughs) that the Browns lost on the inside of their defensive line. Uh, Malik Jackson was not at practice yesterday. So Sheldon Day was getting those first team reps with Andrew Billings. Today, Malik Jackson is back. But Sheldon Day still working in uh, kind of a three-man rotation, getting those first uh, team snaps. And, I mean, he was really quietly signed last year, at the end of last year of the practice squad. Uh, he was a fourth-round pick in 2016, kind of kicked around with a few teams. And he's certainly not uh, a guy that we anticipated uh, being in the conversation for, for a starter on the line, but but he's there now. And uh, he's really kind of stood out. I mean, meanwhile, like Jordan Elliott, Tommy Togiai or. Kind of below a few guys are gonna have to work their way up. I uh, Marvin Wilson, who got that huge uh, uh signing bonus as an undrafted free agent. Um he's he's down third, third, fourth rep. So uh some of those younger guys have to work their way up, and some of that has to do with Sheldon Day kind of
1: bursting out of the scene here. And, and worth noting too along those lines, Malik McDowell left today with an oblique injury. Yes. So uh Kevin's fans wouldn't say it was a strain, he wouldn't say specifically what it was, but it was an oblique injury. Mary Kay, what about you?
3: You know, I know we've talked a lot about tight ends, but I just want to mention again, Harrison Bryant. Now, remember last year, he was the it pass catcher in camp. He was last year's sort of Donovan Peoples-Jones, the guy that we seem to talk about every single day uh, in one way or another. And he's had a little bit of a, a, he's had a solid camp, but it's been a little quiet. Uh, So I thought he really is, he's really starting to step up and heat up a little bit. And he's practicing, you know, mostly on the second team, most of the time with with Case caught that a nice touchdown in the in the two minutes row made a lot of nice catches today and he's starting to show up and and I think that's important because that's what you want to do you want to jump off the page and we're starting to hear his name and see number 88 called
1: okay there we go our orange and brown practice recap here on the orange and brown talk podcast uh, we are off on Monday, so we'll be back on Tuesday after practice with our next podcast. As I always say, make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast. And by the way, leave us some five star reviews. We keep checking those reviews, and I'm not seeing the five star reviews. So leave. It. We like to. We like it when you say nice things about us. So if you're going to say mean things, don't leave a review. But if you want to say nice things, give us five stars and, and leave it there on the Apple Podcast Store. All right, for Mary Kay Scott and Allison Dan, thanks for listening. Buddy.